like that last song because it has to do with what I'm going to talk about today. And uh, that is that we are children of the one true king. Amen? We are his children. We are a family. Right? Anybody agree with that? No, if you don't, too bad. It's still true. <laughs> so um, I wanted to continue. Uh, we're in Ephesians 6 now. Uh, the last chapter of this, of this uh, letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. We started last week uh, looking at, and if you look up at the screen, um, I think you can see it. I'm going to kind of scoot over a little bit. We, we started last week talking about the relationships, our relationships, uh, obviously as Christians. I don't know if you see the little arrow going vertically up and down, and then the, the arrows going horizontally across this way. What I brought to your attention was that uh, our relationships, if first our vertical relationship with the Lord is healthy, we have a healthy secure relationship with Christ, it's going to reflect on our horizontal relationships. Okay? So when we say we're children of the one true king, then children will reflect their parents, right? Their fathers, their mothers. Now, there's a little saying in Spanish. I know you could do it in English. I love it in Spanish. And it says, Tigre referring to the fathers, the parents, and then referring to the kids, they would say, tigritos. What does that mean? Tigers, little tigers. What do the tiger, the little tigers reflect? Do they have the same stripes as their, you know, their parents? Do the offspring look like the fathers, the mothers, right? So we, we are a reflection as... Now remember, this is written to Christians. Not written to anyone that doesn't know Christ. This is a letter written to Christians. This is written to those that have been uh, redeemed. Those who know Christ as their Lord and Savior, the church. Paul starts and tells us all of that in the first um, five chapters that we already went through. This is to... Uh, 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 specific churches in the region uh, of, of Ephesus that would have got a hold of a letter. So it, we're going we're gonna to talk about our relationships because uh, the moon has light, doesn't it? Is it its own light? No, it's simply a reflection. It's a reflection. And this thing's kind of high. It kind of makes me feel insecure. Let me put this thing down a little bit. Like, wow, okay. I'm a reflection of my father. I'm a chaparrito. I'm short, right? So the moon reflects the light of the sun. It has no light of its own. Well, the Christian reflects the light of Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he told us, you are the light of the world. Wait a minute, I'm not a light of... Yes, you are. As a Christian, you reflect Christ. That means that our behavior, our conduct, who we are... Our lifestyle should be this imitating or reflecting Christ. And then now I'm going to bring it into relationships. Our relationships. And I'm going to uh, take the position that if our vertical relationship with the Lord is healthy and secure, our horizontal relationships will also be. To the extent that... Uh, in our case with the relationship with others on the horizontal plane here in this life, is only able to go as far as that other person will allow it. Now I say that because in Romans, Jesus, uh, Paul writes that we're to live peaceably with everyone as far as is possible. So we're to do everything possible to live at peace with people as far as it's allowed. So sometimes that means with a difficult person that all you can do is say hello. And that's as far as it'll go. And that's as far as we should go. Because that's as far as they'll let it go. But as a Christian, we go as far as is possible in Christ. We're doing it for, for the reasons that we have been changed. 
And to our life, we reflect Jesus. So let's look at this passage. Um, it's going to talk about our relationships. Our relationships are important. We don't live on an island as Christians. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. You can't be a Christian in the, in the, de- in the desert alone by yourself or in the, in the, in the, in the forest. We're, we're, we're designed for relationships specifically one with God which had been broken because of the fall in the garden by Adam and Eve but the Lord has restored that relationship through his son Jesus Christ through his covenants that he made in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel and we descendants of Abraham children of faith are also connected to God through faith because of the promises of God so let's look at this um, chapter 6 if you don't mind, you can see it up on the screen. And uh, let's take a look at what it says, uh, starting with verse 1. We got that up there. Okay, that's verse 5. Oh, there we go. Start right there. Why don't we stand and let's uh, see if we can um, just read. I'll read it to you and we can look at it. I want to get up here closer. So it says, as it reflects, and we talk about relationships, right? This is going to refer to the family, starting with children. Obey your parents. And I've underlined some things that I think are real important to help us to understand the motivation and the reason why. So when you see something underlined, I'm trying to emphasize that verse, that part. So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger, but be, bring them up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. Bond servants. I'm going to easily transition because bond servants don't exist in, in the United States. Uh, slavery doesn't exist in the context of Paul's time. This could be referring to employee, employers and employees, okay? So we all work for someone, right? So we'll take it to that level here. Says bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. And I know this is going to be something that I'm going to have to explain a little bit. The word bond servants comes from the Greek word dolus, d o u l o s. It means slaves. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. Well, maybe I just get it out of the way now. There were millions of slaves in the Roman Empire. Nobody's arguing here that it's wrong. They're asking, and Paul's dealing with a fact. There were slaves. If you've seen the movie Sound of Freedom, you know that there are slaves today. Millions against their will. Right? These people weren't slaves outside of the reason in which Simply they were born into it if you were part of the Roman Empire in that time. So Paul's not justifying slavery. He's tackling about a fact. And then what is the attitude of a slave that's converted? This is asking to, for an attitude. What position do we take since we're in... Remember I told you the word submit is one who is under. Right? Position. An under place. There were there. There were millions of them. And millions of slaves, there were Christians. So Paul's addressing these slaves and asking them not so much to justify, although I will argue that Christianity was one of the main reasons, at least in the world, and especially starting in the United States, that slavery was condemned and removed because of, after the Civil War. It's a move of Christians. There are always those who would abuse it, though. They would take it and say, look! Obey your masters. That's not what is happening. It's a fact of that time. Well, how about us? Do we have to work? Do we have bosses, supervisors? In my case, a principal. Yeah, uh, if I'm a Christian, I'm to submit myself to, to that person. There is exceptions. We talked about those the other day. When What they ask you to do is a direct command that's contrary to God's commands. going to have to say no. Sorry, I passed. Okay, so now let's move on. I won't have to deal with that anymore. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. That's a pretty heavy demand. But that was the same case with marriages. 
That's the same case of what he said to the church. Submit to one another. Right? So, as you would Christ. There at the end of verse 6. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers. Boy, do I know a lot of those. And as bond servants of Christ. Notice I underlined it. How we were to do it? As bond servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord. As to the Lord. And not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does. This he will reward back from the Lord. Whether he is a bond servant or is free. In the last couple of verses of this little section we're going to deal with today. Masters do the same to them. And stop your threatening. Knowing that he who is both... Their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with them. There's no respect of persons. Okay, so let's pray and ask God's blessing on the sermon. Heavenly Father, thank you. And help us to see things the way it was written by Paul, Lord. And most importantly, to understand your will and your purposes for, for our relationships. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, have a seat. So, I'll say this, if God has a rightful place in the hearts of believers, in the hearts of Christians, right, and the church then will be secure and healthy. So, our fellowship, if God has the right place, in each of our hearts, our relationships with each other will be secure and healthy. Okay? I'm talking to Christians. Amen? Does that make sense? Based on what we read? Now, if God has a rightful place in the hearts of believers that are married... Because I already talked about this. this is, I'm just covering what I've already talked about. But I'm going to bring it into what we're going to look at today. So if God has a rightful place in the heart of Christian marriages, then the marriage will be secure and healthy. Okay? Uh, some people like to use the, the idea of a Christ-centered marriage. Right? In Spanish they say Cristo-centrico. Christ-centered church. So, if we're a Christ-centered church or if our heart's in the right place with the Lord, as a church we're going to be secure and healthy. If we're a Christ-centered or if Christ is in our hearts, right, in a rightful place in our hearts, then our marriage is going to be secure and healthy. Then he brings it to children. He says... That children obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Some people might ask me, well, what's the right thing to do when it comes to families? The right thing to do is to have children obey their parents and parents to instruct them in the discipline of the Lord. And to not provoke them. I'm going to get a little further into that. But the point is that if God has a rightful place in families, then families will be secure and healthy. If Christ is the center of any relationship, including your employment, right? It's going to be fruitful. It's going to be one in which you can enjoy, right? Because of the vertical relationship you have with God is going to impact the horizontal relationships you have. My goal at work and I work in public schools, so you know there's a lot of stuff going on that I'm not necessarily in agreement with. But that doesn't mean I can't do the best I can do, right, as unto the Lord. The best thing I could do in my work is to be the best Christian I could be. And I understand that, yes, I have a boss, he's a principal, and he does give a lot of emails of stuff to do, and I do them. But who's really paying me? Is it the school district? Who's really paying you? Yeah, God. Because he put you there as a Christian. You see, we have to always see our lives in the context 
of being in Christ. So I want to show you then and say to you that anyone who is concerned about pleasing God because you're a Christian, you won't find any of these things that Paul's writing about difficult to do because you're concerned primarily with pleasing God. And he's saying to you, then do what you do in your relationships as if though you're doing them to the Lord. That makes it so much easier for everyone, doesn't it? You do it as unto the Lord. I will show and pinpoint a couple places. In chapter 5, which we already went to, but I'm, I'm going to refer to them. It says in one place that we're to do uh, our submitting, in verse 21 of chapter 5, out of reverence for Christ. There's a motivation. Why do I do it? Out of reverence for Christ. In verse 22 of chapter 5, it says, as to the Lord. So, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And he says, even as Christ was subject to the will of the Father, so you are subject in the relationship of marriage to your husbands. We talked about that already. And then he says to husbands, uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Notice it's always as or unto the Lord, in the Lord, for the Lord, by the Lord. So where are uh, our, where's our focus? In our, in our attitudes, in our behavior, Christ. Christ. So now ch chapter 6, and we read it already, but let me just point out, verse, six, uh, verse 1 in chapter 6, in the Lord, as far as children are concerned. Uh, verse 4, of the Lord, talking about instruction and discipline. Uh, verse 6, as you would Christ. Verse uh, uh, 6, as bondservants of Christ. Verse 7, as to the Lord. Notice that pattern? So whatsoever you do, Colossians says, do it as unto the Lord. And man, you will find joy and happiness. You will find security you will find health in your relationships because we're doing it for God. We're doing it to please God. How many of us live like that? You're going to do something and you stop. And as you get more mature in Christ, you don't stop as often because you've already been there and already done that or not done that. You say to yourself, if what I'm doing now is going to reflect Christ, it really is how we should live. But it becomes natural. Because you have a desire to please him. That's what this is about. I really dug through this and I'm saying, Lord, what is there here that you want us to know? Obeying parents as if obeying the Lord. So if you're obeying the Lord, you won't have a problem obeying your parents. It also helps quite a bit to not have juvenile delinquency, which is a curse on society. Because the family is the foundation of society. And I'm a teacher. I, there's so much disrespect. I'm not so, uh, uh, so much upset with the kids. I know where they get it from. Tigre. Tigrito. Comes from home. The number one gauge for successful students is not the teacher. Is not the school. Oh, it helps. But it's not the number one it's the family. Because how many hours a day do they spend with their families? They're with us seven. With me one. Well, a couple of my students, I go see them more than one hour. How long are they with their parents? Right? The, when someone's disrespectful, that's because... And I'll call the parents and they'll tell me to go fly a kite. That's their son and they're... Okay, I'll, I just wanted to let you know. Bye. Click. Bottom line, we're a reflection. So it says, and we, we're reading here, it says that children obey your parents in the Lord. I think we've talked enough about the motivation and why. And then he goes on to say, for this is right. This is right. Interestingly enough, this particular verse, Paul pulls out of the Ten Commandments. If you want to know what's right, God has given us His law. So, and there's more than Ten Commandments. 
there are 600 and something laws in the Old Testament, the 10 being the most important, and from those flow all the rest. I'm going to share a little bit of something with you. The first five commandments have to do with our relationship with God. The first five. Go back and read them. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. You're not to worship any uh, graven image or idolatry. There's a five and the first five have to do your relationship with God. And the second five in the Ten Commandments have to do with your relationship with others. God has two pillars, five laws uh, based on our relationship with God and what he requires of us. And the other pillar is our relationship with others. There's five. Go look at it. I, I was going to take the time to do it today, but it would be way too much. Go back and look at Exodus where you'll find it. That's why he says, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right because he's pulling it from the law. The law is God's righteousness revealed to us. He tells the children of Israel, his chosen people, that he had called out of the world through Abraham. First they were just a tribe. A little 70 people went into Egypt at the time when Joseph had gone in before them. And they come out some 400 years later, millions. And he takes them out of Egypt in the great escape, right? They after, they had Passover, they celebrated it one night. God set them free. They're liberated. They go into the promised land. And he has a new nation there. A holy people. A nation of priests. They have no constitution. They had been enslaved for 400 years. So what does he have to do? He has to give them rules. He has to establish a kingdom and his kingdom through these people. So he gives them the law. And he says the first five are directed toward what I would expect you to in your relationship with me. And the second five are in your relationship with others. And the first one is the first one in the column on the relationships with others is children obey your parents the family then you know should not steal you shouldn't take stuff from people don't commit adultery hey don't take you know cheat with someone's wife hey uh, don't lie and then other things that you'll see there the first thing he says is children obey your parents and he says it's right it's because it reflects God's righteousness let me say this why it's so important because it's about the family and stable healthy families create stable healthy societies that's why and if your child learns to obey you if your children learn to hear you not that you're perfect but you are their parent and God has given you charge of them they will most likely be at a better disposition, the probability is higher that they'll also know how to hear God's voice. That's the reason. If they're able to hear your voice and you're in authority of them as children when they're little, then they're most likely also to hear God's voice when they're older. That's why you build in them this consciousness. No, I'm not going Zen on you. You build in them a pattern of where their lives and their souls are sensitive to the voice of God because they were to you, the parent. So it's important. By the way, it's the only commandment that has a promise. If you do this, and I thought about this when I was reading it and studying this week, my dad and my mom must have been really good kids. They're in their 90s. Look at the promise. After you are to obey your parents, verse 2 say, Honor your father and mother. Please respect them. This is the first commandment with promise. So there's a promise attached to it. Not only is it right, but there's a promise. What's the promise? And it says, That it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. That's talking about long age. And it's talking about prosperity. That it may go well with you. And who's going to give you that which will go well with you? God. 
And who's going to allow you to live long in the land? God. You have God's blessing. This is why it's important. So parents, continue teaching your kids in the Lord. In the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. It'll be a reward for them. And yours when you see them thriving. Right? That's what it says. And it goes on to say then, and of course we're always going to address uh, that which first talks about the kids, right? But he doesn't ignore Paul, that is. And the Lord doesn't ignore the fact that also there's an obligation to parents. Fathers, this word is also used a lot in the Greek, just parents. So it means fathers and mothers. Hey, don't provoke them. Don't provoke your children to wrath. Don't agitate them. Don't bug them. Harass. Nag. What is he saying? Right? The fact of the matter is, in the culture that Paul was living in, most of the fathers ruled their, their families with a very domineering authority, rigid authority. Right? Very rarely in that culture, that time, uh, kids and wives were considered a commodity. They were like property. So you have to understand what Paul is saying here breaks all kinds of under, uh, cultural uh, 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 standards. Back then, the parents would rule with an with a iron fist. And they never considered the desires and the welfare of their wives or their children. So Paul is making clear to husbands and he's making clear to fathers that they're not to make unreasonable demands, right? They're not to be so strict that it might drive their kids to anger or to despair or resentment. So here's the thing that I, I get to do a lot when, as a teacher. I have to write goals for kids. You know, you can go to a website and just copy one. Or you know the kid. Each kid is different. So what you might demand for kid number one will be a little different than what you might demand for kid number two. Because after all, you know them as a parent. So what he's saying here is don't make the demand so impossible to actually be able to be completed. So what I say and what I do is write a reasonable goal that's attainable. Why write a goal? Why have a demand that they can't attain? It's too far out of their reach. And that's what he's saying. And sometimes as parents, we will make demands. We will have such a, a rigid structures that it's provoking children. It's actually driving them to resentment and despair. And again, remember the context. It's the time of the world where children were considered property. Well, even more so now where we have so many more rights for kids. But as a Christian parent, make sure that you know your child and that you give them reasonable, attainable, responsible goals that they can actually perform. I never forget one time I spoke to someone who sadly had kicked out most of his children from their home because they didn't obey his rules. And I said, how come and where's the grace like to be patient and to like work with them? Oh no, my rules, my way, or the highway? Well, they went on the highway. They left. So there's a, there's a reasonable discipline and instruction and then there's unreasonable. Just because you're bigger doesn't make it always right. Just because of it, at any whim you have this idea that you can tell them to do whatever they want. No, it's, in the, it's within the context of the Lord. In the instruction. Notice what it says. In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You want to know what the discipline and instruction of the Lord is? Go to His book. You see in the Old Testament, there's specifically a lot of things that says to the parents, hey, when they wake up, when they have breakfast, when they lay down, when they're, you're always instructing them. 
Not just once. All the time. And what's the blessing for that? They're going to live long in the land. Right? We love our kids. We want what's best for them. Do it God's way. I'm very fortunate. I was raised in a home with two Christian parents. And I just left them and spent the week with them. And even in their older age, they're so sweet and gentle. Well, my mom can be a little bit of aggressive sometimes. <laughs> Keep her in your prayers. She's in the hospital again. But I was just reflecting this whole week of what a blessing it was to have them as my parents because they raised me in a Christian home. It was loving. There was forgiveness. And we, we, I remember that my mom and dad would sit me and my brother Dean uh, on a kitchen table and she would put dippity-doo in a, our hair before we had to go to school. You know that stuff that made your, your hair just like stick and it could be in a storm it wouldn't move. And I remember that sometimes my brother and I would get into, um, you know, arguments or even fight. We fought quite a bit. You know, that's our na human nature. But I remember they would make us at some point give each other a hug and say we're sorry and ask for forgiveness true story they would do that I remember that they would insist and require of us as long as we lived in their home to go to church we could never be there if we, and so we did we went we got a, to be a teenager and I rebelled and yeah, what a big mistake that was. I wasted so many years. But that voice, you raise a child and they're young and when they're older, they won't depart from it because you have instilled it in their hearts. They know what's right. So that, that's, what, that's what Paul has to say here as far as relationships with children are concerned. This is all to be done. And notice verse 4. Not to provoke the children to anger. We already talked about that. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Of the Lord. Then he goes to bond servants. I'm just going to change it. I already talked about it. Employees and employers. Bond servants. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. That's reverence. That's what it means. It means Respect. Here's a question I have. When in, in, in the United States, there's so many laws that are in favor of the person that's being employed. Less and less for the employer. But one of the things that I always think of is important for you to know what you're getting into. So if you go to an interview, you should have the right questions to ask of what they're asking you to do. Right? I mean, and there are laws to protect you if they're asking you to do something illegal, obviously. But I'm saying a lot of the trouble we may have in being sub subjected or submissive to our employers is that we, we chose that place of employment. And unless, but a lot of times the problems aren't necessarily legal ones. They're personalities. That's what I have found. You know? At my job, there's some teachers I can't stand. Mainly because of what they believe and how they treat others. So you know what I do? I just don't talk to them. I stay away from them. Because I don't want to be bogged down all day with their negativity. And believe me, when you go into a faculty room, that's what you hear a lot of. I never go there. If I don't like my employer, and let's, I'm not saying that, the, the, of course, obviously if they're doing something illegal, harassing or sexual harassment and, or whatever, there, there's laws and there's, especially in public schools, you're, you're protected. But I'm saying a lot of times we're, our problems are with personalities. Well then ask God to put you somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Why are you going to be miserable? But once you're there and once you choose to accept that contract because don't we all sign some sort of contract? We have to talk about wages. We have to talk about hours. We have to talk about benefits. All those things you choose. So in this case then, once you're there, 
You're to show respect to your employer. You're not to steal from them. Cheat them on the clock. Rob from them by not giving them your best. Why wouldn't you give them your best? You're doing it how? As you would Christ. Look at verse 5. As you would Christ. You represent Christ in your workplace. The greatest, because we talk a lot about evangelism as Christians, and we talked about it here, and there is a, a responsibility of personal evangelism as an individual. There's also the responsibility as, uh, as a church, a ministry of evangelism. We're working on it. A lot of responsibility. Got to have the right heart for it. Just can't send anyone out there that's representing the church in Christ. They got to do it for the Lord. Not as men pleasers. Not because they want to be seen of men, but because they love the Lord. But I'm going to tell you this. Do you know that your place of employment is your greatest mission field? Talk about mission field, your workplace. Oh, I want to... Church doesn't have missions. Oh, we do. Every one of you have one. It's called your workplace. You are a reflection of Christ in your workplace. What are they saying about you as it reflects Christ? I'm a Christian. Uh, what would you say? I'm a Christian. What kind of Christian are you? I'm an undercover. <laughs> I'm like the stealth bomber kind of a Christian. No one knows. Right? <laughs> no. When they see you, they should know you. <laughs> Jesus is really like that. Sorry, church. That's what a lot of us are. <laughs> you are a light of the world. And in your employer. So when it says here, and you're reading here, to, to, to uh, obey them, it's, a, it's the same word, submission. You understand your place, your position. You took it. You signed it. You're there. And again, if you're going to be there, do it as you would and obey as you would Christ. Are you obeying Christ? Then you would also subject yourself. Not as men pleasers or eye service. People pleasers. See that verse 6? Oh my goodness, that reminds me so much of when I worked as a manager for a drugstore. It was called Clark Drugs back at, like 30 years ago. I made my way up into management, and we had a general manager. His name was Doug Wiley. Wiley, like Wiley Coyote, right, in the cartoon. So Doug would just come from Orange County, where the corporate office was, and he'd make his way across the stores. So he would go to the one in Laverne, and then he'd come to the one in Ontario, and then he would come to the one in Moreno Valley, where I work. And I remember that we would get phone calls and they would say, hey, Doug's in Laverne now. You mean Wiley Coyote's in Laverne now? Put the phone down and says, okay, guys, everybody get busy. Like, go do something. Like, like, like go clean up over there and, you know, and run over here. And uh, what is all this? Take that stock out. We don't want to see so much stuff in the warehouse. It's supposed to be on the floor. And, and then we're all going like crazy. And then he show up and we're all, how you doing, sir? i never forget the time when I showed up in the morning and he was already inside the store. And I thought to myself, because I had closed the night before, and I thought to myself, oh, he's general manager. He has the key to all the stores. No, that's not what happened. I forgot to lock the door. And my supervisor opens the door and walks in and he's sitting in the booth that's where, the, you know, the, where all the customers come for customer service. And he's sitting there smiling with his Wiley Coyote mustache. I never forgot it. I had nightmares about that smile. And he looked at me. He goes, Mr. Korea, why is the door left open? I didn't leave the door open. And he goes, yeah, I just walked in. And I just like felt this big to, to Wiley Coyote. And he looked at me and he goes, I expect it to never happen again. And guess what? It never happened again. But the funny part is, we were a lot, and I was young, so forgive me. We were running around just trying to appear like we were doing right because he was there. 
Don't do it just in the presence of the employer. Do it when they're not present because the bottom line is we're to live our lives aware that God's always watching us. We don't walk around like if God disappeared and is gone or he's taking a nap somewhere. Like they, uh, they yelled and they told to Elijah. Remember Elijah, what uh, Jezebel told him when he had burned down, when the fire had come and burnt the altar and they had wet it and everything and then he ran off. And, and he, the, the, there's a statement there because he got afraid of her. And this is Elijah, the prophet, the greatest or one of the greatest. And, he, and, and they thought, well, where's, where's your, you know, when he was in that transaction, where's your God? Is like he taking a nap or something? Like, no, God's aware. He's, he's watching us. So at work too. Yeah, at work too. So don't go to that secret place in your, pla- in your work place of employment where you can hide out and do nothing. They exist. Hey, where's anybody seen Tanya lately? Where is she? We do stuff like that, don't we? Not as Christians, we shouldn't. Not, verse 6, not by a way of eye service. Right? Eye service. People pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ or as employees of Christ. You work for Christ. Uh, I really, I know my check says Rio Valley Unified School District, but that's not really my employer. And that's why you shouldn't also be concerned about losing your job. God gave you your job if you're a Christian. And only God can take it away. So you have the unfortunate experience of it being taken away for some reason, laid off or whatever. No, it's God moving you. That's all it is. Promoting you somewhere else. Oh, I don't... Do you believe me? Everything we have... Uh, John, First John says, Every good gift comes from above from the Father of lights with which there is no variation. He doesn't change his mind. If it happens because you happen to maybe lose your job or you're, even if you're fired for some, something, maybe it was unjust, I don't know. Everything you have comes from God. You don't need to worry about it, your job. You just need to ask for it. If you're looking for employment. You know, the job I have now at the high school, uh, I went to school at night for like three or four years at night. I, I worked full time and then I went to school at night. And I did it for four or five years and finally finished. And, and I put in all my applications and everywhere I went, they said I had no experience. So I'm like, well, how am I supposed to get it if you don't hire me? And I remember I had to wait nine months after I graduated. And I was ready to work like the day after I graduated. And I remember I, I waited for nine months. I got those Dear John letters. Dear Mr. Korea, in spite of the fact that we really liked you and you seem like a really cool guy, you have no experience so we're not hiring you. And I'm like, wow. So there I was at my same old job that I had been at for those previous five years, trying to get a degree so that I could move into a, 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 a better paying job or a career. And then all of a sudden, I didn't care anymore because no one was sending me letters. And then one day I get a call out of nowhere in December. I graduated in May. It was the Marine Valley Unified School District because I had to put in an application there. They called me, and I thought, that's cool. I worked, I went to, I went to school in Emory Valley Unified School District. And you know that this next week will be 23 and a half years that I've been there? Talk about God opening a door. I didn't even expect it. But it's been the, one of the greatest blessings of my life. So as Christians... We don't work for them. We work for Jesus. It matters. You go to work with a different attitude when you know you're doing it for the Lord. It does matter because He also, he also blesses us when we, our relationships are based on Him. Notice it says also, they're not a way of eye service or people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart, 
rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. You're not doing it for men. Who cares what they think if you're doing it for Christ? If you take the words of this pastor with a little bit of age behind him, if you listen, I promise you, you will be blessed when you have this, this instruction. Notice what he says in verse number 8. And it's one thing that you're doing it to God and you're pleasing Him. Then he says, knowing that whatever good anyone does... Listen, Christian, whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Who's going to reward you? The Lord. So not only do you get a paycheck, you're going to be rewarded by the Lord. Doesn't it say that? This he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or he's free. So the, the, the employer may pay you, but it's, a lasting reward that will come from Christ beyond your paycheck. It's God's word. I believe it. And I put it to the test and I know it's true. Lastly, and we'll finalize this with this last verse. Masters, so he's not just... Now remember, this is a relationship between a Christian slave and a Christian owner. It, ha it happened in Rome millions of times. Well, I don't know millions, but there were millions of slaves with owners. He's saying to the, just as he said to children to obey their parents, but then fathers don't provoke them. He's always interested in the balance. In the relationship that's balanced. Healthy relationships are balanced. Not always about you, husbands. It's also about her. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100 toward each other. Right? This is one thing too that we have to learn about Christianity. The Lord always has us in balance. He always has us in check. Is anything an, an exaggeration. Anytime someone's super hyped and pumped up about something, I, I want to slow them down. Slow down. Whoa. It, there's balance. The Lord doesn't put us in a place to where we have something that's not even. There's responsibilities also to the employer. There's responsibilities also to parents. But anyone under subjection, let me go back and I'll finish with this. Whether it's a relationship with, in the church with one another in our fellowship, we're to be submitting ourselves to one to another, considering the interests of the other person more important than our own. That's balance. Because then they would be reciprocating that same attitude towards you. So in what you sacrifice for them, they will sacrifice back for you. That's balance. With husbands and wives, wives, yes. Yes, the scriptures are clear about uh, following the leadership of your husband. Complying in a, in, in a cooperative and collaborative way. They make the final executive decision. You have an ear with them all the time. And there's a balance there. So he says, okay, yes, uh, wives, uh, respect your husbands. But husbands, love your wives. And then he qualifies it by saying, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. There's balance there. And we see it with children. Yes, obey your parents. By the way, there's a promise if you do. This is the right thing to do, kids. But hey, fathers and parents, don't provoke them. Don't bring them to resentment by giving them uh, commands that are unreasonable. And employees and employers or slaves and masters, hey, listen, masters, do the same to them. Stop threatening, knowing that he who is both their master. So here's the key. Who's our master? What do we all have in common here? Something so powerful. Something so significant and distinct. It is that we all know Christ is our Lord and Savior. And it is to Him that we have to answer. So when we know that it's He that we are subject and submitted to, then these relationships out here are easy peasy. Because we're submitted to Him. We got the hard work already done. We accepted Christ. We came to Him on bended knee. 
confessing our sins and returning from them. We already did what was required. Now it's all about growing, maturing, and thriving in the Lord and, and knowing what His will and purposes are for our lives. I think I said I was done a little while ago, didn't I? <laughs> Masters, do the same to them not, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. I know he's in heaven. I know God's in heaven. Yes. And guess what? He's, no, he's not partial. He's no respecter of persons. He sees us all with the same value. Amen? I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope that it it's a blessing to you. I would, I would challenge you to, to do it in all your relationships. To live them, live in them as though you're doing it for the Lord. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you. I know you want a strong church, especially in the days that are coming. And the only way to have that is for us to understand who we are because of who you are. To understand our place. Everyone has a place. And our prayer, Lord, is that where we are placed, where you have put us, that whatever it is that we're doing in whatever relationship we're in, that we would do it as unto you, to please you. What a relief. I don't have to listen to negativity and criticism of men. I have your admonition. I have you, Lord, validating. Our relationship is with you. Our audience is with you. We're to please you first. And then everything else, when we make and seek first the kingdom of heaven, all these other things shall be added unto us. And in our relationships, that's true too. We're thankful, Lord, for the words of Paul, penned by him as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And we do have your word. Help us to see it that way and to act by faith on what you have given us. And see, Lord, that you will make our lives and our relationships healthy and secure, happy and fruitful. And we ask you and thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.